Well, we've got blackface. We've got anti-Semitism. Do those Republicans have no shame? Oh, I'm sorry. What's that? Oh, those are Democrats. Yikes. Trump Report starts now. You're tuned in to AfterBuzz TV, the ESPN of TV talk. Now, let the buzz Oh, that's right. Welcome to the Trump Report. A little late, but as someone likes to say, worth the wait. Christian Blatt, Chelsea Galicia. Hello there. I'm not even looking at you. I'm just pointing. Because I see that. That's, that's the wide shot. That's more important than being a civil human being. Over there is Tamara. She's just waving for those that are listening. And making his triumphant return back from the United Arab Emirates mm-hmm. and Bahrain. I mm-hmm. guess they're different places. Scott Moore! Hey, guys. Good to be back. Uh, we, have a, we have a lot to talk about. Uh, there's uh, no shortage of things uh, in the news. When last we saw you, Chelsea, mm-hmm. I guess you were the only one that was there with me that night, uh, was... The State of the Union address. Was that some slight yes. shade there? No, I think there was, I'm just saying was that, that a she's subtle. You know what? Yes, yes, it was. It was like, how how dare you have other things to do besides watch the State of the Union with us uh, and our friend Drexel Hurd, who we appreciate uh, visiting with us. But um, so we're going to talk about uh, so many things uh, today. But we're also joined by a return guest, Dr. Christopher Metzler, whose new book is "Divided We Stand." The Search for America's Soul. Uh, Dr. Metzler, thank you so much for, uh, first of all, being here. Second of all, helping us uh, work through some technical difficulties uh, that were uh, apparently on our end, but we appreciate your patience. No worries. Uh, I'm a Republican, so we're flexible. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's got the jokes. Um, So, um, and... The this would this would be helped if uh, we were able to get our camera working. So I actually have to say for first of all for our, our YouTube audience and our uh, podcast audience who might not know, uh, Dr. Metzler, you are a black conservative, and uh, I, I, it's important because the issues we're going to talk about. But uh, I want to give people that context. Sure, and 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 just so folks understand. There are no pictures of me in white face. Um, <laughs> you know, as 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 a white man, I appreciate that, uh, and that's actually that is where I want to start. Uh, it's look, you can you can make uh, the the blackface photos. There's not anything funny about it, but the people involved, uh, sure, shame on them. But someone had to print the yearbooks with the pictures in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so there's a lot of people, this, this, there was at least some degree of checks and balances where people are like, yeah, yeah, this is okay. And you can say it's like, oh, it's a different time. But even if that time were 1948, it still wouldn't be all right. But the fact that it's 1984 is like, the it's a different time uh, doesn't really fly there. Um, are you surprised... N- uh, that uh, the governor apparently has no interest in resigning. And we're obviously talking about Governor Northam in Virginia, just uh, just in case anybody's <laughs> new to that story. No, I'm not surprised at all. Look, um, Ralph, first of all, Ralph has a history. Um, when, in fact, Ralph was running for governor, um, he made it clear that he did not want uh, pictures of Justin Fairfax um, on his campaign literature. So 
you know, eh, doesn't surprise me. Um, but I've got to say that what Ralph has done from a strictly political standpoint is masterful. He brought in a black crisis management team, and that uh, crisis management team has essentially changed the narrative. Um, we understand uh, that, in fact, Ralph is now going to focus on the issues that affect um, black people in the state of Virginia. And so the, comp- the, the whole crisis management team has been extremely effective in changing the narrative. So from a strictly political and messaging standpoint, I have to really give kudos to him for doing that. Um, the problem here with Ralph was, look, dude, we know that was you in blackface. We know that. Um, we get it. Um, and the, the whole kind of Michael Jackson moonwalking thing, thank God for his wife. Yeah. Because were she not to say um, that's completely inappropriate, he would have attempted to moonwalk, and that would not have ended well. Yeah, yeah. and look, um, as, so, as someone who fancies himself uh, some degree of, uh, of a comedian, I would have appreciated getting that, but I think it's it's best for the people of the Commonwealth of Virginia, and unfortunately the best for the people of the country. But if he'd done the moonwalk, yeah. or if he'd gone far enough to do the... the uh, aptly named black or white video where Michael Jackson just trashed a car with a baseball bat. I think that all would have been really interesting. So uh, I'm surprised that what Governor Northam didn't say is that's not me in the picture. That's Attorney General Mark Herring. That's him in the picture. Because that's the the baffling part of the story. So it's like, so you have the guy who is the governor, the person who's third in line for the governor also has a blackface problem. And then you have... The black guy is under uh, yeah. accusations of uh, you know, some very serious yeah. claims have been made against him, not to make light of that. But it does seem like the black guy is probably the only one who might actually lose his job. And I don't know. Am I, am I wrong with that? Or am I, is that the correct interpretation of that situation? No, I think you're, I, I, I think you're right. So, but here's the problem, though, for Democrats. The problem for Democrats is... We remember the Kavanaugh uh, hearings. And so the issue of due process. See, here's the thing for me. It's like, okay, maybe he did it. Maybe he didn't. Who knows? Um, But let's, in fact, give him at least due process. Uh, But you notice that, in fact, uh, the state house pulled back on the impeachment articles. I saw a draft of the impeachment articles um, that was circulating over the weekend. Um, and it was like, uh, guys, really, you do want to look at the issue of due process. It's kind of written in the Constitution, in case you haven't read that. Um, so that, that, that's the problem. But in fact, it does seem that, you know, he will probably, if any of the three, uh, end up losing um, his job. The question, the interesting question for me, though, is, um, is Ralph's hands clean relative to leaking this information about 
uh, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax. Yeah, I did. Uh, I did hear him make those accusations, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax. Um, one of my co-hosts uh, next to me, who you would be able to see, uh, but unfortunately, you'll just have to hear. Uh, Chelsea is a lawyer. Uh, give me your thoughts on what he's saying about due process, and just your thoughts on the situation in Virginia in general, Chelsea. Well, I think it's important to remember that due process is um, is is a right afforded to us when the government is going to take something away from us. Um, but mm-hmm. it, but m- most of us have come to believe that everybody is entitled to due process, even if it's for a job. And that's not my understanding of what the Constitution Correct. protects. So when people Correct. mention due process in this context, I feel like it's a little bit of a red herring. Um, was, that I, a, was that a play on words about the Attorney General's name? And no, it wasn't. But okay. Did I get that? Yeah. I, no, so, I, I, I was just going to commend you on so your first ever pun. When, so I mean, none of us need to be taken to court to be fired from a job, um, and, and to go through you know due process as it exists under the Constitution. And the same with Brett Kavanaugh. When uh, when he was being considered for the Supreme Court, it wasn't a. Um, a, a court of law that needed to make the decision whether he was entitled to that position. It was, you know, obviously uh, you know, the senators who voted uh, for him. And that is not due process in the same... But Lieutenant Governor Fairfax, as that being an elected office, I mean, essentially, uh, he would be due to that. If well, he is going to be tried for sexual assault. Right. Yes. But regarding yeah, his job, I, sure, it... I mean, he can step down because the public pressure is too much. Um, but but, the, but that's even if there is down, no due but process, like, can, he could be removed just because there's these allegations against him. Uh, and Dr. Metzler, you know, the connection's a little bit wonky. What did you want to say? And then I'll let you uh, tidy up that thought, Chelsea. Sure. I mean, I I, I fundamentally uh, agree, except I would nuance it this way: from the standpoint of Fairfax. Um, if there is an impeachment proceeding uh, under Article 17, which is the appropriate Virginia um, code, in fact, the government, that is the legislature, would in fact be taking away um, his job. So that's the, that's the slight quirk in the law. I think that is an open question as to whether or not due process would apply, since the action, he is not employed, so to speak, in the traditional sense. Um, and, and so I think that's an interesting legal question to be determined by the courts. But I, I Chelsea, I, I think you're, you're absolutely right. Your legal analysis is always on point. I don't question that. I just think it's, it's, it's a slight nuance here that would be an interesting legal question. Uh, sure. The interesting legal question, short, I, I agree with you, exists about whether the impeachment proceeding is... Um, Correct. ...is constitutional. Um, yes. And whether it violates due process or not. Sure. Um, right. I, I personally doubt we're going to, you know, see that issue tried. No. Right. No, I, I mean, I, and obviously the, uh, the biggest issue is that uh, the fourth down on the depth chart for potential governor of Virginia as a Republican. So, uh, obviously, Scott, there uh, is a lot of vested interest in uh, figuring out, like, 
which of these people is the least objectionable to keep in that job? I mean, there have been people in parties calling for all of them to resign. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, I don't know. What do, what do you do if – let's just put a hypothetical in here, Scott. If you, were, if you run the – uh, Virginia, uh, sorry, the Virginia Democratic Party. Uh, what do you do in this situation? Well, I, I, I think there there really isn't an, any easy choice. The, right. the thing that's unique with Virginia, though, is that uh, the governor can't run for re-election. Right. So it's only one term. Mm-hmm. And because unless they're going to try to go the route of impeachment, which would be very difficult in this case, they, for him, they, they don't have a lot of options at their disposal unless they can really force him to resign. Like, he could just wait it out and hope that it blows over enough and keeps focusing on what he's doing and go with the polls of what they're saying and, and claim that, you know, African-Americans want him to stay in office and things like that and then continue on with his job, and which seems to be what he's going to do, and try to hold it out. The, the, the problem is, is that will it threaten uh, Virginia Democrats when it comes to you know, the presidential election next year in 2020? Will it threaten other candidates down the line that maybe people were less motivated to go out and vote for Republicans because of the the strong Democratic leanings the past several election cycles in Virginia, that maybe this could tarnish the Virginia Democrats in general for future elections. But as far as getting him out, um, there's really not a whole lot they can do. It's kind of the same thing with, with the president. You may disagree with him and think he's needs to resign from office, but unless we were actually going to be able to impeach him and do it in the Senate, it's the same thing in Virginia. You can't really get the governor out. So at some point, because of the other issues with the other uh, uh, prospective people that would take that position, lieutenant governor and the attorney general, um, you know, it, it ended up may being in the best interest for uh, Ralph Northam just to stay where he is at this point. And it seems like he's going to do that and try to write it out. Uh, Tamara, I think it would yeah. be a mistake to uh, put uh, Dick Cheney in charge of figuring out who the best person is, because as we know, whenever there's a, a search like that, he would just appoint himself. Um, but what, what, what is your take on the uh, this, this entire situation in Virginia? As uh, someone who uh, makes oh, a lot boy, of jokes, where is this going? Are there oh, okay. any? Are there any? Are there? Are there any jokes to be had? I mean, it's it's not easy. I'll put it that way. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think there are any jokes to be had. There's there's. Uh, I, I did say that that. That uh, that Gucci sweater that was pulled oh, from yeah. the shelves for uh, for for looking too much like blackface. Uh, that sweater is now running for office in Virginia. More qualified than possibly some other people. I, I won't say anyone, but uh, you know it might be more qualified. Uh, but yeah, it's. Uh, I, I, but I don't... I, but I, I do say I I gotta say that I don't see Democrats coming to his defense. No. That's, no. Like, no, they won't. Yes. Like that, <laughs> that I, I'd say if we're going to compare this to Kavanaugh, I think that's the difference and that I, there's not a Democrat that's trying to defend what he did or anything like that. Right. Uh, I mean, in this case, you have photographs of like, look what you did. In that case, you had uh, testimony, which, you know, you can true. feel however you want about yes. the testimony, but it was just testimony. Uh, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, you're right, though. There, there, I don't think that he should, you know, say like, yeah, there's an open door policy. Anybody who wants to come and defend me, you're welcome. You know, come on in. We'll appear on television together. You can come on my listening no. tour with me. Uh, but, but take, for example, you know, Fairfax, uh, there's not evidence in the same way. And there are also I don't see Democrats defending him. So yeah. I'm, I'm just saying I'm just saying it's. It's it's not a matter of uh, oh Democrats are so hit. I'm not saying you're saying this, um, but um, it's not a matter of 
you know, Democrats are hypocrites. They defend their, you know, they're quick to attack when it's the other party and sure. not their own. I, I haven't seen that happening. Uh, one final thought from uh, well, Scott, and then I'll get right to you, Dr. Metzler. Well, I was just going to say, I think that okay. if you look into it, too, it's it's kind of crazy that they had pretty terrible oppo research this whole time because Ralph Northam has been in Virginia politics for over a decade, so it's not like he just came in the picture. I mean, he was uh, uh, in the 6th District. He was lieutenant governor yeah. under Terry McAuliffe. He ran for governor, uh, I mean, and won by a substantial margin. I mean, he, so he's been running in multiple races, and, and it, yeah. uh, we're, you know, it's... And it's, I'm going to assume, Dr. Metzler, it's not like he forgot about this picture. Yeah. I think he just thought that he had successfully it gotten, gotten past, past it. it. Right. But the higher you move up on the food right. chain, you get to governor, all of a sudden people are like, hey, remember that time when the governor... Was that that party? That's crazy. He was there, you know, he ran an election in 2017 because it wasn't like he just became governor. He's been governor now for over a year. So it's like he ran and nobody ever dredges up until now. I mean, Dr. Metzler, I don't know how you get in front of this, but I feel like this is something when right when you have the first exploratory committee, it's like, look, here's something that might come Mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm. And I don't uh, clearly he was not prepared and he did not handle it well. And now he's just ignoring it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, you're right. Go ahead. Yeah, you're right. And 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 here's the thing. I mean, as somebody who advises Republican candidates all the time, um, I tell them, I said, okay, so here's how opposition research works. First, you do opposition research on yourself, mm-hmm. um, and then you figure out if X Y Z comes up, how are you going to deal with it? Uh, which is something that was failed to be done in this case. And I've got to also tell you that for as someone who worked on Ed Gillespie's campaign, um, I am chagrined that, in fact, we did not do enough opposition research to bring this to the surface. Um, so, yeah, there was that. But I mean, you, you, you really this is not new. Yeah. Um, but again, it just didn't work in this case. It I, failed. And yeah. I, look, I, and just for, forgive my ignorance, uh, in, in states like Virginia, and I think we heard something about uh, an elected official in North Carolina also apparently went to a party in blackface. Um, uh, is is this just a lot more common than than I, I think it was? Uh, you know, I mean, in, yeah. in that time and, and maybe regionally, it's it's a little bit better accepted. Yeah, I mean, look, for me, as someone um, who went to some, you know, fairly elite universities as an undergraduate and as a graduate, the whole blackface thing, um, fraternities did that on the weekends, and that was just that. So the whole blackface thing for me, really, Mm. it was just kind of what occurred at the time. But I think with the blackface, you know, issue, there is a bit of, a problem in the sense that if we simply say anybody who's ever been in blackface, you are therefore disqualified from office, if we think that that solves the issue of racial division in America, it does not. Um, And so I think we have to look at it in context. It would have been better, I think, if the governor came out and said, yes, that was me. Mm-hmm. This is what I did at the time. 
it was not appropriate. Yeah. Here's what mm-hmm. I've learned, and here mm-hmm. I'm going to move forward. What? That's what he should have done instead Agreed. of that. It wasn't me. It's mm-hmm. like Shaggy. Um, you know, why do you think he wasn't advised to do that? Because here's the, here's the, here's the problem. The problem is with a number of um, people who run for office, and I think it was the same with him. They are surrounding themselves with advisors who are yes people, advisors who are not who are afraid to challenge them, and that's the issue that that we're getting. I mean, dude, we know it was you. There were <laughs> photographs with you wearing the same pants. So are you now going to say, oh, those pants were popular at the time? We don't believe that. I mean, you know, but that's the thing, and what. And so, you know, to come back then and say that, that would have been a, the best strategic move that he could make, but he didn't. But I got to tell you, as Republicans were salivating at the prospect of taking back Virginia, I'm not sure that that's going to happen, but we are salivating at the prospect. No, but I think there might be an issue to run on the next time <laughs> mm-hmm. the governor's race comes right. up. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, you know, to have okay. candidates who can say, I have never been photographed in blackface. Mm-hmm. I don't that, mean to brag, yeah, but, yeah, uh, I shouldn't have to say <laughs> this. But, uh, and, uh, and, you know, you made an interesting point about, uh, you know, missing it in the opposition research. So what's the sense of, who had this and, and who turned it in? Is it just a, a classmate was just like, you know, I feel bad now that this guy's governor. I think I'm going to share this with I don't even remember who broke the story. But uh, do, you, do you just you know, if you had to guess how something like this comes to light where it doesn't turn up in opposition research? Yeah. So so just um, in, in, in terms of kind of the backstory in opposition research and politics. Um, I, I think that what happened was uh, Republicans saw an opportunity uh, to, before the next election cycle, upend the Virginia race. So at that point, what they said was, let's see um, who would turn this information over to us. It is possible, though I can't say with certainty, that that was. Um, done by someone in uh, Fairfax camp or someone uh, close to Fairfax because of the bad blood between Fairfax and and Ralph. Um, That's possible, but I think it was uh, because the website who uh, broke this um, is an up-and-coming website in the kind of right-wing Republican politics. And so I think this was the opening salvo uh, that brought this uh, to bear. That's my sense. If people really understand about kind of opposition research and how politics plays, it's a very, very, very dirty business. Mm-hmm. And it's all about gain. It's, and, and, and it's all about seeking an opportunity to embarrass the other side, whichever side you're on. Mm-hmm. Right. And uh, I don't know. I think that uh, I don't know. This is just a testament to how almost anything really can blow over because of the fact that he's, you know, he's taken his walking tour. He's 
you know, even his actual explanation, you know, sure, his wife stopped him from doing the moonwalk, but he's, like, joking about how hard it is to get shoe polish off off of your skin. I'm like, what? Uh, Like, does he have no advisors? You people say that about President Trump sometimes, but I'm like, clearly there is no one advising this guy on what to say and what to do and how to handle It's It's almost like old white men have been conditioned to just think (laughs) Think that that anything is acceptable. It's almost like they think that they can get away with everything. Yeah, and I don't know whose fault that is. I don't know why that would be. I don't know. It's a great question, but I... I, I look forward to his cable news show, uh, you know, in the next four or five years. Uh, well, actually, I think I think he might be interested in doing a reboot of Amos and Andy. But anyway, uh, it's just a joke. It's all right. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, so uh, and another issue that I wanted to uh, discuss with you, uh, and again, we're talking to Dr. Christopher Metzler, and uh, we will talk to him in a moment about his uh, new book, but mm-hmm. I'll let you know that it's called Divided We Stand, The Search for America's soul, the uh, the well, let's say the allegations of anti-Semitic tweets from uh, Representative. So it's a, it's an I L H A N, right? Is it? It's Elon. I hate the the capital I and the lowercase L next to yeah. each other. It throws me off, and I'm mm-hmm. not just because I'm not smart. I'm not well read. Uh, <laughs> Representative Elon of uh, Minnesota, uh, you know, saying that the Republican support of Israel is uh, tied. To uh, the uh, the uh, the money the you know the all about the Benjamins was uh, the the tweet with the yeah. musical notes in it, and uh, I I don't know I, I I learn things all the time I I tend to think that I I used to think that uh, Democrats supported Israel but I, I I'm learning things all the time that maybe they don't maybe they do maybe some don't maybe they all don't um, but I want to get your take on her tweets and the uh, her apology for it, which she did apologize, and she says she's learning from it, which I think is a far cry from someone like Steve King, who, you know, might have Governor Northam on speed dial, but again, that's just for a joke. I'm not actually alleging anything. Uh, But uh, just give us your your take on that story, and then uh, we'll let the panel weigh in. So, a couple of things. One, I think, you know, she she has to be um, very careful about you know, what she says and how she says it. And I think she needs to understand that, in fact, she is not the only member of Congress. That's number one. Uh, Number two, there are two people who, from the standpoint of Republicans, um, so both she and um, uh, OAC um, have been replaced as the boogie women um, of, from the standpoint of Republicans. It used to be Nancy Pelosi. It is not. It is no longer Nancy. It is those two. Um, and so what she has to understand, she has to choose her words very carefully. And in fact, can you criticize Israel from a policy standpoint? Yes. However, this denigration that she did, um, not good, uh, because it, it, it really goes back to the throats of Jews as money grubbers and, and, and those kinds of things. And not to mention the fact that she has written um, at least one piece for Louis Farrakhan uh, in one of his final 
call publications. And she needs to understand that this is not acceptable. So if there is, in fact, a critique off of the critique without the stereotypes and the throats, until she understands that, she will be held up to a level of scrutiny that I'm not sure she's right. going to be able to Right, and, and uh, I, w- I, I would say as, as a, a Muslim elected official, you're going to expect extra scrutiny, especially on these issues. Mm-hmm. So I think right. her, her, her tweets from before she's elected, I, I think, you know, you can certainly make a, a case about some of them. In fact, I, I think we showed some of them to our audience. Uh, but at the same time, that that is, you know, it, it is a few years ago. Uh, and as Kevin Hart will tell you, that people can grow over the course of a, a few yeah. years. Uh, but the things that she's tweeting now, like last week, you just need to really, again, there should be people advising, like, mm, you know, Israel's not a great thing because people are going to look to you to be like, well, of course you don't like Israel. And I think, you know, whatever people have these uh, misconceptions uh, about race and religion, just they're out there. They can be as wrong as you want, but that's how people feel. So I think being a little extra mindful, and I did like what she had to say in terms of her uh, relationship. Obviously, I made a joke about it, but, uh, you know, someone like Steve King doesn't apologize. And she's like, yeah, I'm trying trying to, to learn and grow from this. And whether it's sincere or not, she said the right thing. Uh, Chelsea, I wanted to let you weigh in first uh, on this. Because I'm a faux Jew. Just, <laughs> I, I don't know, are you? Uh, well, I I would be, but it's from my father's side. Oh, okay. Jewish religion Same. says you take right. the religion of your mother, yeah. so that would make me faux. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I, even know these days. I don't it's know, okay I know, that I say. I, I've known I you like two and a half years. Faith. I had no idea about that. So, yeah. anyway. Um, nice to meet you. Go ahead. <laughs> I, I, I really um, kind of... I, and maybe that I'm going to get a lot of criticism for this, rolled my eyes at the level and, and depth of criticism of her because most answers to why do Republicans do this or why do Democrats do this could be answered with it's all about the Benjamins and would be mm-hmm. at least partially correct. Right. The role of money in politics is enormous and is almost the, the answer to every question about what's the problem with this situation. So I don't even think that she was 100% wrong. I understand that there's a sensitivity because it's always been a criticism so, of Jews that they use. Money. But, I mean, I was just reading an article about how Coca-Cola may be having, you know, wrong, like inappropriate emails with the CDC, influencing the CDC to not talk about how, in, uh, how I guess, dangerous soda might be to your diet well is should we be uh you know sensitive to coca-cola's feelings that we're gonna you know say oh they're throwing money or influence at the cdc and then that's wrong well if if the criticism was being lobbied by pepsi who has a long history of you know being in a war with coca-cola i think it has a different connotation (laughs) than if it came just from uh, an average american but to your point that Saying that it's all about the money is because everything's about the money. I think if maybe that second line was in there, yes, there would have still been attention and it, it might have blown over. But yeah, I, I agree that I think there's an undue amount of 
of attention because of who said this. I think if if another Democrat said, like even if Alexandria Ocasio Cortez said it, I think there would be like, oh okay, and it would have there would have been the point made, but because she doesn't. Because she doesn't look the way uh, that, yep. that uh, mm-hmm. you know the representative does, that uh, I I think that that's really what it comes down to. Uh, Tamara, mm-hmm. uh, your yeah, I, I agree exactly with what you're saying because that is how uh, women and especially women of color are so intensely scrutinized for things that the traditional makeup of Congress has not been criticized for. If if she needs to understand that these things are unacceptable to say, does Donald Trump need to understand that he can't quote, you know, misleading statistics about the crimes of Ooh, people crossing the border? That's a good question you know, like, for the doctor. Does, you know, look at all, does Orrin Hatch need to understand all of the things that he's uh, said inappropriately and apologized for them? You know, she gave an apology. I'm not defending what she said in any way. An apology was, was owed. I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, to hold her accountable for things that we've let pass from other people for since the beginning of our government, I, I think that that's it, the exact example of how women, and especially women of color in government, are just unfairly scrutinized. Uh, before we move on, I did want to let Scott weigh in on this uh, same topic, and then uh, we will uh, talk to Dr. Metzler about his book. And Chelsea, you have a question for him, apparently. Mm-hmm. So, But uh, Scott, you first. I mean, I was just going to add uh, to what you guys already said in a sense that, you know, it's unfortunate that there is this double standard. Um, but at the same time, I, I being a quarter Jewish too, <laughs> from the wrong <laughs> side, apparently, but at the same time, I've had Jewish friends, you know, Democrats, Republican side that, you know, I've had some that, that, we're like, no big deal. Others that are like, uh, this is offensive. So it, it, it wasn't the best thing to do, so I don't want to defend her comments either. And I think it's so easy on Twitter, on social media, when you're by yourself to just post whatever and you forget that what you say does right. go I out mean, there and people you, are affected by it. And yes, there is a double standard. Mm-hmm. I, I do agree, as opposed to if it was a uh, you know white older man that posted it, it might have had a different connotation, and I think there was a double standard, but I do think that it wasn't probably the best thing for her to have put out there because of the fact that there is going to be sensitivity and people are going to do whatever they can, especially in politics, like the doctor was saying earlier, to try to make the other person look bad and whatever it takes, so it only takes one uh, one thing to to affect that. So, you know, that's where people right. do have to be careful about what they're speaking and how they're saying and and... and what they're doing because it will be criticized to the nth degree, especially at this day and age. Uh, we are uh, talking to Dr. Christopher Metzler, and again, he his book is Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul. And if you want to follow him on Twitter and Instagram, like I do, at Dr. Christopher Metzler. Um, and w- we'll talk about some of the specifics of the book, but uh, Chelsea, a question occurred to you to ask the doctor, so I will let you start. Well, if I get one question, I, <laughs> I was it was originally going to be a follow-up to what Tamara okay. said, doesn't the president need to understand this, that, and the other? But actually, what I would really like to know is the doctor's opinion of uh, Amy Klobuchar throwing her hat into the contender ring and whether or not Republicans feel that she may be a viable threat. So, in the interest of full disclosure, um, when I was an assistant attorney general in the state of Minnesota, um, Amy and I were in the same office at the time um, we were in different divisions, but we um, did work in the AG's office. And from the standpoint of Amy, 
um, I have said all along, and people have made fun of me until her announcement, that Amy is actually a sleeper candidate. Um, the thing about Amy is she is very specific about her vision for America. Look, she is a tough candidate. People have really just underestimated her. Uh, she is a formidable candidate. That's the reality. Um, and, you know, I'm not towing a party line relative to uh, to her. But if you look at her rollout, if you look at her announcement, and if you listen to her ideas, um, she's a formidable from my standpoint, of all of the Democratic candidates who have announced thus far, Amy is a formidable candidate. The, the whole, you know, before she announced, there was all this stuff out about the fact that she's a tough boss. Yeah, she is. And um, so she is, a, she is a formidable candidate. There was a very um, specific and I think um, very accurate article in the Wall Street Journal about uh, Amy today that really uh, points to that. So from a Republican standpoint, um, Amy is someone not to be underestimated. We can't sleep on Amy. Uh, yeah, we were talking before the show, and uh, I just uh, made the snap judgment that her name really doesn't roll off your tongue. It's hard to say. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I've dismissed her based only on that, but uh, <laughs> I, you, have a, you have a much better analysis than I do. Now, we only have a few minutes, and I do want to let you get a chance to talk about your book. Uh, and again, the book is called Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul. Uh, so take a moment here and tell the audience some of the ways that your book argues how true conservatism is the solution to healing this divided America that oh, we all find ourselves in. Here. Yeah, so a couple of things. Um, you know, first of all, I, there, there's all this discussion about, you know, Trump and Trump causing division. Division did not start with Trump. Division has um, creeped into a public discourse. So that's number one. Number two, when we look at healing America, so we return to things that are critical uh, from the standpoint of the courts, for example. I am one of these people who I don't believe that the role of the federal judiciary in particular is to make law. It is to interpret law. And that applies anywhere from the district courts up to the Supreme Court of the United States. I have a whole piece on originalism, what it means. Um, I also look to a lot of uh, the policies that have uh, failed and really just offer solutions. At the end of the day, the only way that America's soul is going to be healed is if we look to a bipartisan solution. Most of America is not hard left or hard right. Um, it is a combination of those ideas. So the further left you go, the further right you go, that doesn't lead to healing the division in the country. The question becomes, how do you forget about those things that are rhetoric? How do you address issues of tribalism? How do you address issues of, of racism? How do you include the so-called hillbilly culture? 
um, and, and, and I got to tell you, from my perspective, a number of particularly white liberals have gotten to the point where they have really shown a disdain for the so-called hillbilly culture that creates a bit of a problem and further divides America. So those are among the issues that I tackle uh, in the book. It's fairly controversial. I call up the media, particularly on the issue of fake news. And, and, and let me be clear as to what I mean by fake news. If I go back to Walter Cronkite, Walter had his opinion. Uncle Walt has his opinions. He presented us with the facts, and then we made our own decision based on the facts. The media, in my view, has become a cult of personality. I specifically specifically talk about Don Lemon on CNN, and 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 I. If you look at this banter between Don Lemon and Chris Cuomo every night, that's garbage. Oh, what about um, Hannity? Because from, is he in, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Is, is is Hannity up there in 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 your disdain? Yeah. Well, well, I mean, from my standpoint, with Hannity and with a number of these people, they make they are unapologetic about the fact that they are not objective. But then, and why see, aren't they on me, Fox News? Well, why they should be on a channel well, called Fox? Uh, because we only have two minutes. Uh, I'll make the point that those yeah. shows are clearly denoted as opinion personality shows. Those are Correct. yes, it is the Fox Correct. News channel. But, right. I mean, they also had that show called uh, Red Eye on the middle of the night where it was Greg Gutfeld and a bunch of guys making jokes. So, it, yes, it is and the Fox News channel, that. but CNN is a news network, and uh, they have, you know, documentaries about, you know, comedians and things, and, and MSNBC turns into the prison channel on the weekend. So, the <laughs> right. definition is, but to your point, yes, uh, I would say that somebody like Sean Hannity uh, is a little bit more upfront about the fact that he his show is an opinion show, but to, but so. to viewers, they will see it on Fox News and think like, okay, this is a news when show that I I'm dare to listen, I hear it not as what I think, what I believe, right. as in this is how it is. Uh, so, I, I understand if you want to criticize CNN, that's sure. fine, but I was just also curious if it... Right. Was on the other side too, and uh, because we have, yeah, we do absolutely. have to, we do have to wrap up, Doctor Metzler, because we did get a, a late start, sure. and we would love to have you back in the future. Uh, obviously, there's plenty of things that the panel and you would disagree about, but I think that one thing we should talk about the next time, I think that there's plenty of agreement on, is uh, what you call a corrupt and incompetent Washington D.C. and uh, you know oh, yeah. how, how we could mm-hmm. possibly fix that. I think everybody here could agree. Uh, you know, maybe there's some difference of opinion as to who's to blame more than the other, but right. uh, that is. Definitely something needs to be fixed. So, Dr. Metzler, we really appreciate it, uh, and uh, we'll definitely have you back soon, and hopefully hopefully we'll make it so that everyone can see you next time, mm-hmm. but we appreciate you staying yeah. with us. Well, yeah, next time I, I, I'll, I'll fly in and, and be in the studio. Perfect. Guys. Yeah, because that, that way we'll yes. be sure that it works. It'll be great to see you again. Thanks again to <laughs> Dr. Christopher Metzler. The book is Divided We Stand, The Search for America's Soul, on Twitter and Instagram, at Dr. Chris. Metzler, and we are out of time, and Tamara, that's why I always have the jokes at the front of the show, because when the joke's supposed to be at the end of the show, look at that, we've run out of time for the jokes. Oh, well. But, you know, next week, hey, we'll try and be funny. you'll just have again. to come see me perform live. D- is there yeah. a date you can promote? Uh, February 22nd at the Hollywood American Legion. 
wonderful. Yay. The Hollywood American Legion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that sounds. Uh, that sounds. That sounds very. That sounds like the fanciest American Legion there is because it's in it's Hollywood. It's beautiful. It is the fanciest. <laughs> I, I believe beautiful. it is the fanciest American Legion there is. So you can find that there. And uh, while we're doing plugs, Tamara, where, where else can people find you? Go to just tamarabrown.com. And uh, Scott Moore. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at sman80. And Chelsea Gleason. Oh, I gave it away. And me, I'm (laughs) at Christian DMZ. Thank you all so much. Thanks again to Dr. Metzler. We will see you again next Tuesday at 4 Pacific, 7 Eastern. Until then, have a good one. Bye. Our founder, Kevin Undergaro, and me, Maria Menounos, would like to thank you for tuning in to AfterBuzz TV. Remember, we're not just the first, we're the biggest in the world, and we're the only destination for all your favorite TV shows. Whatever you crave, we've got it. So go to AfterBuzzTV.com and check out our lineup. Buzz you later. <laughs> the views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.